What's up, everyone? My name is Wes, and you're listening to the Ear Coffee Podcast. For today's special episode, I talked with members of Pennsylvania punk band Boyfriends. They never released much music while they were originally active from 2009 to 2012, but their full discography was recently reissued thanks to the record label Count Your Lucky Stars. It was a pleasure to hear about the band's history, their experiences in the legendary late 2010s Philly punk scene, how the reissue came about, and more. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris, Matt, and Brian of Boyfriends on the Ear Coffee Podcast. Just to get things going, let's do some introductions. If you want to just say your name and what your role was in Boyfriends and just kind of a little bit about that, and maybe speak for Michael and... Brian, who are the two members who are not presently here, um, just so we get a gist of who's who in the Boyfriends universe. Oh, I heard some glass breaking. Are we good? It was actually some uh, sleigh bells. That's my cat, Joe oh. Reinhardt the Fourth. But yeah, I'm I'm since since the cat put me on the spot here. I'm Chris. Uh, I played bass and sang in Boyfriends. Um, yeah, I'm Matt. I played guitar and was Mr. General Tagalong in Boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, Brian, who will be joining us hopefully soon, was the drummer, yeah. and then Michael was the other guitarist, correct? Yes. Beautiful. Correct. All right. That is correct. Um, so I like to start interviews kind of in a similar way with any band no matter what genre who's who because i find that any musician that you talk to has just the deepest most imaginable connection with music just as a listener and just as a as a person who engages with it so much at least you want musicians to have that kind of connection um (laughs) before either of you ever even thought of playing in a band and got to the point where you were playing in bands what were the bands or what music were you hearing that really made you want to do that one day that made you want to maybe write songs, tour, play shows and everything that comes with being in a band uh, one day, what really made you kind of opened your eyes to that world and made you like think, Hey, I might want to do that. Uh, um, Matt, do you, uh, I'm curious, I'm curious to hear what, what you say for this, uh, um, for this question. I, I went to my buddy's house when I was in middle school and he invited his other friend over. And for some reason, that kid just brought his electric guitar and amp. And I don't know why, but he just <laughs> did. But he, he, I mean, this is like seventh grade. He could play Green Day songs and he could play Blink-182 songs. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> you could, people like us, like, I could do that. If you could do that, guy, I could do that. Um. So <laughs> I rented a guitar and a amp and taught myself how to play the intro to damn it. <laughs> and immediately that same guy who brought his guitar to my friend's house was like, Oh, we should start a band. I was like, yeah, totally. I did not know how to play guitar at all. I didn't know anything <laughs> about playing guitar, but all of a sudden I was in a band and <laughs> turns out all you needed to know was how to play brain stew and people took you legit so that's, <laughs> that's that was still my the case <laughs> yeah truly, truly I, yeah truly, truly. it is <laughs> yeah, yeah that was my that's amazing intro. 
Oh my god, that's incredible. <laughs> um, I feel like I, I feel like Damn It was was like the one though, right? Like, yeah. I feel like for for so many people, it was just like the the go to, the first one. I think for me, it was like um, my dad played guitar, so like I I grew up around it you know so much and like um i'm talking to you in the in the house that i grew up in and also the house that my mom grew up in so i just i remember like you know them him and his friends just like jamming in the kitchen here and uh and uh you know like falling asleep in his guitar case like listening and um so there was like a lot of uh grateful dead and like a lot of classic rock around for me i think i feel like the first thing i remember the first time i really remember like connecting with a song was uh i was like i can't walk i can't it was that that genesis song <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i would like um i would come home from school and the song would be on the radio Every, like for whatever reason, every day at the same time, I remember coming home and like running off the school bus and running into my room to like flip the radio on um, <laughs> because I'm like a hundred years old. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, that I, but you know, for me, it was like, I, I feel like I, I guess it was just kind of always assumed, I think by me and by my, my, my dad, particularly that that i would end up playing music um but i feel like the first bands that really where i was like if certainly uh green day you know what i mean uh and like weezer and definitely ben folds five for me yes when I was like in middle school respect you thank know? you <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah I, no one's defending ben folds five anymore and that's criminal um i know <laughs> Uh, Matt, you already kind of touched on this, but I'd like to hear just what were your first experiences actually playing in bands like, especially like as you started to, I guess, develop more as a musician beyond just the riff to damn it or whatever, like those starter phases, um, maybe like playing the first couple shows with a long lost band that is only in like your memories and such. (laughs) Um, yeah, that, I mean the first word that comes to mind is embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, the, so yeah, that band that I formed without knowing how to play guitar played uh, our one original song that I can't remember the name of. And we played brain stew at our talent show in the seventh or eighth grade. And after that, it was just kind of like, a string of trying to convince people that we were like a real band that you could hire to play at your party. <laughs> and we would like play, we played one party and nobody, everybody just like so quickly lost interest because we were trying to play like, I don't know, sugar cult bouncing off the walls and like, didn't actually know how to play. It's like two dudes knew how to play. And the other guys just stood there. We played Brain Stew again. We played, uh, you know, we just like stood there with all our stuff in their garage. And the, their, you know, their dad's probably inside rolling his eyes pissed because he's trying to watch whatever. But the game's on. Um, Come on. You know, it's just like a lot of that until pretty much high school. 
and uh, immediately following high school, then it was like way more serious. First touring band was like the summer after I graduated. So that was like, I kind of got thrown into it pretty quick. Was that circus? And then that was circus circus. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much it. And then from then it just kind of slowly turned into boyfriends, I guess. And beyond. Yeah. At least recognize circa circa circus circle. Was it circus 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 yeah. circus? Cause yeah, yeah. I at least recognize that. Cause that was like somewhere on like the rate your rate your music page. It's like, You've, oh, you've made it to least we were like <laughs> oh we would like pump money into pure volume to get on the like number one <laughs> artist and stuff like that you know what i mean pure picks or whatever it was oh you yeah know? oh my god yeah we would we would like oh man the amount of money <laughs> wasted on the stupidest thing yeah it's so funny and the things that like people tell you you have to waste money on and and then you when you have that realization that like None of this shit matters. <laughs> no. Like even a little bit. That's the thing that is makes me crazy about the music industry right now is that like everything is so based on like your Spotify numbers. Oh, Brian's here. Hello. Hey, Brian. Hi, Brian. Yeah. Uh, nice to meet you, Brian. I'm Wes. Glad to have you here. Um, we haven't been going for too long, so you didn't miss much. Um, this is Brian. He, he was the drummer. Uh, very excited to have you here as well. Um, Thank you for having us. Of course. Uh, Chris, why don't you finish that thought if you had anything else to add to that? And we'll oh, keep yeah, rolling. yeah. So, you know, it's like so based on your Spotify numbers and your, like your Instagram, Twitter, followers. TikTok followers. And it's just like, none of that makes you any money. Like, even if you sell like a million widgets you know what i mean you'll get like ten dollars and it's like it's so it, it's like a really it's a huge problem but um yeah uh, i think that for me like that yeah there were definitely like you said a lot of a lot of bands that are lost like or like exist now only in like my memory and the memories of the people that were in them certainly i think i probably was in like more bands that never did anything including playing a show than i am been in bands that have like released records and gone on tour (laughs) that's that's almost like a bragging right i'd say just like (laughs) like who has the most uh failure to launch like high school bands (laughs) oh yeah yeah definitely it's uh it's a you know, some of them were pretty funny, and some of them were good. I, I think. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That, that, as, as good as a high school band can be, which is, can be pretty damn good. Um, yeah, uh, Brian, just to loop you in here a little bit, I was just asking, um, what were your first experiences playing in bands like? Likely, these are like high school, middle school bands that, as Chris was saying, that exist only now in your memories, and um. Where did that kind of grow out of leading to at least partially making music uh, a career? Is I I hate saying it like that, but like pursuing music and going on tour, yeah. recording, and everything that comes with it. Yeah, it's kind of funny that when Chris was just talking about high school bands, it's funny my high school band actually played a show at ninety four at a at a 
copycat in Baltimore back in 2000. And I don't even know why it must've been 2008. It was, yeah, it, it was probably even earlier than that. Cause we were, we were a two piece in, in 2008. And I think that that show, we were a, a three piece still. Yeah. And it was my high school band, uh, an artist from Lancaster named Ben Britton and 1994. Uh, and it was a total shit show. <laughs> From it was a shit show. No kidding. It was not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Your band was good, though. It was, yeah. And so in terms of my experience of high school bands and memories and blah, blah, blah. The, we had like a, a, it was like a little, I don't know, like high school stoner, bluesy rock band <laughs> thing going on. Um, and I think that that lasted a little bit after high school, but after that started playing, um, I would say after that, the next thing was, was Bark Academy slash boyfriends for me in terms of playing music with other people, other than just jamming around for, for years. Yeah. Uh, how did boyfriends or I guess originally Barf Academy form? And, uh, I, I think, just the, was it just like a name change that was just like an aesthetic change? There was no other like significant shift that came from going from Barf Academy to Boyfriends. Um, is it all Kevin really Ludwig? Really, it might have been Kevin Ludwig. I, I'm not sure though. I, I don't, I'm not really sure I even remember like what the name change was, was like predicated upon. I know that like what what sticks out to me was that like in barf Academy, it was just Mike playing guitar and Brian playing drums. And then like, I just sang and there was no bass. Uh, and so on those like earlier, uh, demos on the tape, um, you, you know, like you can hear, it's just like Mike's essentially using like the setup that I used in 1994, I think even using, my my guitar he did he used that um, blue agile oh that's right yeah that blue one and, uh, yeah yeah that's yeah, how much i know about guitars it's like the blue one <laughs> yeah it's sitting it, it is blue uh it's certainly blue it's sitting in the other room um but yeah uh i started playing bass around the time that that we changed the name i think yeah, it started with- I'm not sure why we ever stopped. You know, like Barf Academy was such a good and cool <laughs> <laughs> name, like yeah. destined for success. Can't wait to see like the, oh, the yeah. Barf Academy I mean, best new reissue review or something in like 2024. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, both names were just taken from the fact of this would be funny, funny to call a band this name. That's kind of probably both stemmed but yeah. yeah i would probably say every aggressive barf academy was kind of when it was like me and mike jamming along and then we then pulled chris in and then, i'm pretty sure you guys didn't even like want me in there i just like forced myself into the situation because <laughs> i was bored <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny because i felt the same way about myself <laughs> <I'm enjoying it. laughs> Yeah, I think you guys just let me join because I wasn't doing literally anything, and I just would come to every 1994 show, no matter where it was. Anyway, so it was like he's already here. 
I think really for us, I think Matt, it was like, you know, we didn't, it's like, it's not like we needed another guitar player because Mike used the line six loop pedal so much. <laughs> yeah. We but it was just that, like, we, we just loved hanging out with you. So we were like, yeah, yeah let's just give him a guitar. <laughs> and then we can hang out all the time. <laughs> yeah. And you live next door to the stomping ground. Yeah. Which I totally forgot about until right now. That house is for rent. That you live directly next to the stomping grounds. And it was like, we crossed the roof. Yeah, it was just it one big house. They're just, you know, mm-hmm. it was just two or three ways into each one. We talked about the knocking the walls down for a second. <laughs> yeah. Like cutting a doorway. <laughs> Building like a little <laughs> tunnel. Yeah. 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 So when Boyfriends was starting up, what were the early days like uh, with, I guess, playing in that group as well as uh, I believe most, if not all, four of you were playing in at least one other group at that time. What was it like balancing that while also trying to get going with Barf Academy slash boyfriends and working on those early songs and playing shows and such? Yeah, I think it was it was I think it was nice for, for Mike and I because it was like we could just kind of pick and choose and it also allowed us to like just spend more time like like if 1994 had just gone out with like grownups or something who we like, who we loved hanging out with to be like, Oh, well obviously we can't do another 1994 and grownups tour right away. Let's do a boyfriends and grownups tour. And then it'll be uh, even more uh, insane. (laughs) 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 And, and like, you know, uh, how much more trouble could we get into? How much more often could we get into more trouble? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think we tied. Cause I don't know if I was in snowing. I guess I was at that point where at some point while we had boyfriends, snowing happened or me joining snowing happened. But, uh, yeah, but I, I, I think that's true. Like we, we would often just tag, boyfriends into something else that might have been going on at the time like like chris had mentioned i think that was chris referring into a particular time where they 94 toured with the grown-ups down to the fest and then boyfriends kind of toured back um and so it's just kind of a convenient way to like mix it up and i think there were did you but oh sorry did you guys fly down to that fest you too? No, I went. I toured down. That's right. That's right. And then, Matt, yeah, it was just kind of like, like, hmm. You, oh, Matt, Matt, you toured down. We all rode it. We all rode down together. I think. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to remember. Yeah, we all rode down. That's right. Okay. I know there was like one fest where, like, some people flew home from like from Gainesville, and I was like, I didn't even know there was an airport. Here. <laughs> like some rich things. I think that was big kids. Big kids flew from Gain- out of Gainesville. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we picked them up in Philly and went down, and then they left from Fest. Right, right, right. Okay. So I wish- My, it's all soup. <laughs> it is all soup. 
everything is. I wish we were rich enough to do that. Yeah. yeah, fly around. I still wish I was rich enough to do yeah. stuff like that. You know? When will I have private jets for like twinkle emo bands? Come on. I know, right? Like, I just want to take like a weekend flight to uh, Switzerland. You know, my friend Mark and I have been talking about it. Being wealthy enough to like just be like, you want to go to Switzerland this weekend? Yeah, sure. that was Chris. That was the deal with this ear coffee podcast. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that, Wes. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they fly you to, uh, they fly you to Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. The transfer is pending. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you two can spend time in Lucerne and spend more on a on a seltzer water than you would on a nice fancy beer. <laughs> exactly, that's living the life. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm extra interested in kind of hearing your perspectives on this as people that have played in just so many like handfuls of bands um, from that era. And obviously so much has been made in hindsight of that era of specifically like Philly and then just kind of Pennsylvania, East coast, like that scene was very self-sustaining. It seems during that kind of era that so many people look back upon with like rose tinted glasses now and not without reason, but um, boyfriends at least sounded a lot different from even like the other projects y'all were playing in but just a lot of the other bands that have kind of been reevaluated and gotten a lot of attention. Like, Hey, you, this is a super slept on record from like 2011. And then people talk about it where boyfriend sounds a lot different from a lot of those bands so far. So I'm curious, like when boyfriend was going on, where were you taking inspirations just kind of musically songwriting wise from those contemporaries that you were playing with either in boyfriends or in your other bands? Or were you at least kind of somewhat consciously trying to like cut your own path in through the jungle of East Coast emo in twenty like two thousand nine? <laughs> <laughs> I I think um, you know I I made a joke to my friend Angel the other day that I was like because it was like the the day that the the tape came out and I was like I don't know why like every band that I played in up to a certain point just ended up sounding like Hoover. But, uh, you know, that was definitely the case. And I, I think like to a certain extent, we, we, we certainly like were influenced by like the people we were spending, spending time with for, I, I think for us, you know, for us, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you know, I feel like we were definitely, it's certainly like a heavier than yeah. a lot of those bands. Um, and, you know, clearly listening to like a lot of bear versus shark and, <laughs> yeah. and like Fugazi, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I was primarily playing in hardcore and metal and kind of screamo bands um, that were not involved in that scene at all. <laughs> Um, I think the closest thing was a canceled model home show for circus circus at one point. Um, But like, so I wasn't, I came into it just listening to a lot of that stuff, but also just like hot water music and bear versus shark and small Brown bike and stuff like that. Like the more heavier toned, stuff in the genre yeah i think that a lot of our i think most of our association with those bands that we were playing with and associated with a lot like the algernons and stuff like that 
was just because we were just in like close physical proximity to them at most times. Like in <laughs> in Philadelphia, three or four weekends a month, just either playing a boyfriend show, a 94 show, going to a different friend show or recording something. So it wasn't necessarily that we even ever kind of sounded like that. We just were <laughs> around just there. Literally we're there, there. Yeah. We were existing. <laughs> we were just existing. Yeah. 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 And definitely friends. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up the small brown bike thing, and I noticed that Brian brought it up in the in the uh, interview. Yeah, the, with the well, it's two a.m. interview, mm-hmm. and um, and like the small brown bike was definitely, I think, for us, probably like the common denominator between the four of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, certainly. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I stopped talking. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has to talk for every question. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I agree. I think I fully agree. I think everyone was coming from a different um, perspective in that sense, in terms of influences. I mean, I, I think I, I don't think Mike listened to any emo bands at all. Coming in, he did. He, he doesn't want to. <laughs> I might be blowing up his spot it. a little bit. I might be, yeah, I might be blowing up his spot a little bit. But he certainly he did uh, at that time listen to. He was um, in the Bear versus Shark, things. and I think, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. But I, in general, I guess um, he, yeah, Small Brown Bike was probably the biggest influence to me in terms of in terms of connecting that two boyfriends mm-hmm. or even. There, I mean, at least from a drumming perspective, uh, dare I say, Motion City soundtrack was drumming-wise was like a kind of a little yeah. niche for me. Mm. Um, but but at the end of the day, I, I'm I've and I'm sure this is for a lot of us. Like, I don't know if I would always put on necessarily an emo, you know, quotes emo record. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would always be my first go-to. <laughs> yeah, Matt's Matt's shaking his head. <laughs> well, I just feel like every time we were together, we only listened to uh, Ludacris and Brand Nubian, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> like we only Brand had Nubian. a couple. Like we only had a couple CDs in that van, and they're mostly <laughs> hip hop. And we would just sing. And I think the and only record, yeah, the only CD in that in that van that wasn't hip hop was. Uh, Thin Lizzy jailbreak. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Which is like unequivocally, <laughs> this is a fact, <laughs> a fact uh, that it's the greatest record ever made. Dude, rock. What can we say? Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I, I'm trying to think of like what we were even listening, what I was even listening to at that time. I have to say, I mean, and this has just been happening for the rest, you know, since then. It's just obsessively listening to Yola Tango, which has no. <laughs> musical reference at all to what we're playing I mean, besides, like, like, there are guitars and vocals there's, yeah. there's, there's humans yeah. there's humans, yeah, there are humans playing guitars um, and I, I think Brian said this in the interview too which I, I was like that's really accurate uh, you know great job it was the um, you know the, when we were making something we never really set out to be like Let's write something that sounds like this. 
you know, it, yeah. it really did happen quite organically that we would just kind of fuck around until something sounded cool to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't ever remember yeah. anyone having an idea that they brought to the table. Yeah. Was always no, I don't think there organic. was ever like a, you know, I don't think there was ever like a, I wrote this riff, check it out, yeah. you know, <laughs> Yeah. which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't our, uh, creative Approach, process. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are a, a lot of bands are formed just based on a riff to say the least. Um, right. But it's also weird to kind of imagine like a band getting together for practice and just saying, we're going to make a insert band name here song, or we're going to make mm-hmm. a, a song that sounds like this. Um, it's always yeah. like somewhere in the middle. <laughs> it's, it's much more mm-hmm. nebulous. And it sounds like that right. was the experience for you three. And presumably <laughs> Mike, uh, he's not here. He's too cool. Um, (laughs) um, so kind of continuing on talking about that scene. Um, were you conscious of the impact that a lot of these bands were having? Like, obviously there's like the bigger ones where people like talk about snowing a lot. And then I recently like saw like a really cool Twitter thread that was kind of celebrating 1994. And that's how I heard about you guys for the first time as a 24 year old who was not even remotely aware of what emo music was when the band was active. Um, but even boyfriends now, cause when you're like in the van driving to fest back then, you're probably not thinking, yeah, one day we're going to get repressed on the tape. Like right. you're getting a certain, no, like certainly not a, 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 a reappraisal and just kind of getting a new wave of attention. And as someone who's new to the band, um, pretty much essentially at all. Um, I think that's very deserved. I'm very excited about that, but, what was your perspective on that just as people that were playing shows in that time and even just by association, like you, like you talked about, everybody just kind of knew each other just from literal physical like proximity. <laughs> I think um, I talked about this a little bit before, but I don't know if, I don't think any of us had any sense of like, this is, this is big or this is going to be long lasting or looking back, this is going to have some type of impact on this or that. But, but regardless in it, in it, I think there was definitely a sense of energy. I don't know if there was necessarily a sense of like what this energy is going to become 10 Mm -hmm. years down the road, or is this going to be some type of historical music? Scene down there. Is there going to be a Wikipedia page for this one day? Yeah, yeah. And so I I think we, but there was definitely energy around it all. Um, And I think we were all just kind of caught up in the energy. I don't think it was ever, but then again, I don't know. Is there anyone who ever is in the middle of an event that has some type of significance later down the road? Are they ever conscious of that? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But we, we certainly were thinking about it. At least I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, recently, yeah, I think oh, driving to fest. Right. I, oh, sorry, um, <laughs> driving to fest. I think I was saying like, um, you know, like I really wish I didn't have to work on Tuesday. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't like. I don't know. I would like I said I would go to the '94 shows with them and stuff like that. But I think the all. The only thing that comes to mind and realizing that people cared was 
I mean, we keep talking about fest, but like that was like that was like the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It still is a very big thing, but for us, you know, that's what we look forward to every year. And the first one I went to, I don't, Chris, you might remember this. There was that venue that was like the bike shop that we that was like way mm-hmm. off the grid, right? Mm-hmm. And we walked over there to see Algernon play, and that set i was just like holy shit okay like people really know what's happening in philadelphia Mm -hmm. um, especially because i mean that place was it was a packed show in florida with everyone singing the songs and i was just like oh i didn't realize this was that like this i knew it was great but i didn't realize it was like this (laughs) it made its way to florida yeah (laughs) like look at all these people from the uk singing these songs like wow yeah that's yeah that was a huge one for me too and i was just i think brian and i were talking about this the other day uh there was a moment like that for me mac rock i don't remember what year it was but it was like everybody was there you know everybody from philly was playing and it was so and we were all we all just happened to have met up in the middle of the day and we were all together and we were all just like hanging out with each other and we were walking from one place to another place in Harrisonburg in in Virginia and it was like us and Algernon and snowing and uh, hop along like dangerous ponies yeah Yeah. and and just like yeah we were skeletons and we were like so we were just walking down the street and somebody I remember like somebody walking past us and like turning around and I heard them say, Damn, Philly rolls deep. <laughs> like, I guess we kinda do. Uh and I, I also very Yeah, we all yeah, we all slept in the same hotel room the night before this. I was like under the sink. It was yeah, it was gross. <laughs> And boyfriends played a show. We weren't on the on the on the lineup at Macrock that year, but or ever. But uh, we played a all night. We were like trying to get a house show, and then oh, oh my god! Like was, <laughs> we were we were trying to find a house show. Like we'll find one. We'll find one. Don't worry. Don't worry. And we were like down to the wire, trying to find a house show. And then it's like eleven p.m. Matt, was it you and me? We're sitting at outside of the Artful Dodger with like Joe and a couple other people, Joe Reinhardt, and we were like, we were like, okay, because we, we were like trying to pace ourselves. We were drinking, and we were like, yeah, you know what? We're not gonna get a show. Screw it. And then like we did a bunch of shots or something. We like <laughs> drank really, really quickly and got really drunk. And like 20 minutes later, Brian comes around the corner. He's like, I found us a show. Let's go. <laughs> and we were like, oh, no. <laughs> and I think I was so drunk, I forgot my bass lines. And I was just pushing my bass into the ceiling. Yeah. And I looked up and, and John from Snowing was like crowd surfing in the like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park pose. <laughs> Uh, oh my god! Like taking his glasses off and looking at me, but uh, and then the cops. Yeah, I uh, the we cops we played a set. There. They didn't come to the show. They called. <laughs> yeah, 
they called on the phone and they they were like, "Don't make us come down there." But didn't and the people that lived in the house were like, "Yeah, okay." Didn't we play our set and then someone else tried to play and they got like two songs in, or was that? I think it was. It was our. It was only supposed to be. It was. It was supposed to be us and either boys and sex or castles, and mm, that's right. We played two songs and they were like, "Yeah, you gotta stop. Like, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta chill." It's it's, Yo, it's good to hear that chill. the cops are still shutting. Have been shutting down house shows just for every generation, probably since like the sixties. I don't know if they had house shows in the sixties. Oh yeah. I'm sure they did. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's that's fascinating actually. Like just as someone who <laughs> has witnessed the reappraisal with no prior knowledge of like having been there or been mm-hmm. so terminally hip that like I knew all these bands before they like got like rep- like reappraisals <laughs> and like everyone talked about them like on Twitter like It's important It's important to note that in that entire story Algernon was packing a venue and boyfriends was begging for shows until midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. I had, so like that, I was just telling this to somebody and this just reminded me of this. I brought this up back then 10 years ago and we didn't do it, but I always had this music video idea for boyfriends where, um, Whatever song it is, I couldn't tell you the name of one of our songs. Um, no. But there's a song that Peter sings in the chorus from Algernon. Mm-hmm. And I always thought oh, it would be funny. One. I always thought it would be funny to do this video where we're playing live and then it kind of pans over to Peter and he's singing the part. But then after the part ends, it kind of just like pans over and Algernon is on the stage and everyone's going nuts and we're like in the crowd, like, what happened? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> all the glory um, we just kind of get like booed out of the room because that's like yeah. usually how it would go anyway but i just remembered like it popped <laughs> in my head as i was listening to the spit on spotify the other day and i was like oh man that would have been hilarious so but funny. we can still film it yeah yeah we can, yeah. We can still make a video we yeah. can make a scarecrow for mike um, <laughs> yeah yeah you heard it here folks that's first. so funny <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's funny that you say you couldn't say, I was thinking the same thing about our songs, the song titles, because I was like, oh, I, I know, all, I like, I know all the song titles, but I could not tell you. That's the only that? one where I'm like, that's the one that that title correlates to. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. Yeah. I could tell you like, why, why it's the title, like why, yeah. why, what the thought process was. But if you said, like, which song is Mark is Gary, I have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the last couple, like, minutes of talking have kind of been this already, but what are some of your fondest memories from your time spent in Boyfriends, whether it was sh- trying to find a show and getting too drunk? Or even like <laughs> recording the f- like nine or ten songs that were originally released around that time, or tours. Just what were the times that you really look back on in the best light from this era of your lives and being in boyfriends? When we were recording this seven inches, uh, like the self-titled seven inch and the um, the split or the and demo. the split, yeah. yeah, the split, and uh, 
we we were sleeping at, at Big Mama's warehouse and it was like really cold outside and we had uh, we were like out in the middle of the warehouse and we so it was really cold inside and we were sleeping on these like two matching fold <laughs> out couches and we had like folded them like right up against like facing one another so we were like you know sleeping like you know like two of us like head to head with the other two of us and and just like this really fond memory of like waking up in the morning and like laughing a lot and because that i think also i might be wrong about this but i think that was also the same weekend that that mike and i recorded the the most deaf seven inch for 1994 um I think I know there was like one boyfriend session where we like piggybacked the two bands and we just like hung out with Joe for a long weekend. But yeah, that one's a really fond one for me. I, for me, it's probably boyfriends played. And this is before Matt was in the band. Um, but Matt is prominent in a photo from this event. He's right up front. So Matt was a huge fan prior to joining the band. <laughs> uh, so he's lucky we let him in. I know what um, show you're talking about. It was like literally the first time I ever heard Boyfriends. <laughs> uh, and it was the at, at the Ox in Philly, this oh. wild New Year's show. That No, no, I played the New Year's show. Yeah, you did play the New Year's show. That was my first show. Yeah. Oh, you did play it. What, what am I thinking of? Maybe I'm thinking of a different photo. It was a different ox show. Oh, was that what it was? Okay. Mm-hmm. But regardless, uh, so it's not the, my memory is not the photo of Matt, because that's less important. But the photo <laughs> of the New Year's party is more important. Um, that was my fondest memory, because that, that show was, not only was it absolutely wild of a party. It was insane. But it it was a really fun event of just all of our friends and all of our friends' bands all getting together and playing shows like that. A show that just, it just seemed like it was just going on all night and it never stopped. And it was just kind of like it, this <laughs> dream, this kind of dream sequence of a, of a night. And it literally that, did that, go on. <laughs> it, yeah. It went on all night and it was disgusting. Um, it was <laughs> Yeah, um, but Algernon was, played a uh, Beatles cover set, and everyone was so angry. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> was so pissed. They were so pissed at that, and it was oh, so actually, good. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Matt, now that I think about it, the show, the photo that I'm thinking of is when it was Scrizzy's uh, tape release show. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That yeah. also was an amazing show. But boyfriends playing. Did we even play the New Year show? Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Because there was somebody who reviewed it online. But regardless, <laughs> that show at the Ox, I think, was probably just a highlight, and probably that that tape show that I'm referencing as well, are kind of two events that I think we're just we're just so surrounded by kind of friends and love and all that. And so it was just super super exciting. I mean, just to be there yeah. and be there in, in it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Nice. There's poop involved on that. <laughs> on that 
on that New Year's. Uh, <laughs> it? I know there were there were people like having sex in like puddles of hot sick. You know, it was oh. like really, it was really what awful. The, oh. It got really it inappropriate. It was no yeah. good. We it went had, from we had nothing like, to do with that. No, <laughs> no. but it was also crazy <laughs> that it went from like all these punk and like twinkly emo bands and then in like like the last band played and in one second it was like a rave like yeah. it turned into a it was two parties in, kind of combined yeah it was like a two-parter that game. other party was that was the bad part that was that, that was, was, that was no the bad time yeah, that was a bad yeah. time Al- algernon beetle set good <laughs> You're the going, second yeah, half bad, bad. <laughs> yeah, that was so bad. oh gosh oh, matt do I, you have one I think, yeah, the things that really stick out are definitely that 2010 uh, New Year's. Um, when I just think about, man, that freaking, <laughs> that trip when we played those shows at Harvard. Yep. I was like, are we going to tell this story or are we not going to tell this story? <laughs> I don't know why. Harvard. Remember when um, we would play with like we played with like we stayed with um, with Nick um, and Christine. Oh, yeah, we stayed with with Taza, and we um, we were playing with like oh, Ape the... Up and like yeah. the Harvard uh, college radio, show. radio shows. Yeah, it was called the Harvard Record Hospital Fest. Somebody just put a bunch of the sets from that show up on YouTube, actually. Oh, shoot. really? But we yeah. went up there, so it was like we went up. Boyfriends went up in my mom's van, and it was like we played two shows. Did '94 play the first night with um, yeah. Tiny Hawks or something? Or guy from was, Tiny Hawks? It was it was Gus and Art from Tiny Hawks, and um, they had started a new band called Arking. Uh, yeah, and, and that was the band that we played with. Yeah, and that Grown Ups cool. played that night too. And then we played. Two shows. Um, I think boyfriends played three shows, or two or three, two shows. We played one at the radio, and then we played a house show with Grown Ups, and we were skeletons at and Swear Jar, and Swear Jar, mm-hmm. and I pooped my pants at both shows oh. during our set, during and the same like, song and the, the same, same song, the same yeah. part. Did this happen at other shows? I I mean, I hope not. Twice in one day. Was it like this song just hit different? Like something came over you? It was just, it's just that thing where you play the set and you kind of, we were playing a lot. So are you just like, you get like your move, Mm -hmm. your moves down. You like, you get into like a kind of a thing, you know? And I don't know what I was doing. You were trying to, you were going to sing along. You were singing, you were coming up to the mic. Yeah. To sing along with me. Yeah, and you—the second time it happened, you—I looked over at you because yeah. I knew that's when it happened <laughs> the, earlier in the same day. Yeah, and I looked over at you, and you—I don't know if you nodded or you were like, "It happened again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of nodded and just said, it, "Yeah, it happened." Oh. Yeah. That's it, and I don't know. I can't really. To be honest, I can't really forget that. I can't forget it, and I also am like not ashamed of it for some reason. I definitely should you know, be. No, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, but that's... I'm not. 
a funny. I just hell. feel like we. <laughs> I just feel like we experience so much worse. <laughs> and that like wasn't in the grand scheme of things. That wasn't actually that bad. It, but that no. show. I mean, but that trip was like really fun. That was mm-hmm. like one of those those times we talked about. Like we all drove up, and then met up with grownups and then 94 and grownups went on tour and me and Brian drove back home. So it was like another classic kind of boyfriends tour where mm-hmm. halfway through the other band would depart. But yeah, mm-hmm. those and the yeah, boys that and, we were... tours and all that stuff, that, those are just so fun. Yeah. Super, super fun. Um, I, I, we were in Boston for like three days or something, which is way, way too long to be in boston yeah that was the first time i met nick i think really nick and christine yeah, i think it was the first time i met them that's surprising i play in a band with nick and christine now well as much as anybody plays in a band during the <laughs> pandemic but um and no, we actually no. all live in different cities now but we play in a band together called every when uh okay. to give you a little context and nick nick was the original drummer in algernon and uh, played drums in Ape Up and Dogs on Acid as well. <laughs> Since the band has technically uh, re-released this exact like track list twice, uh, the first mm. time was in 2013 with uh, uh, at least on cassette, and but I think now it's it is on Bandcamp. It was uh, via Pete's tapes. Is that the Peter you were talking about earlier? Same guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pete Helmus from Algernon. Yeah. Uh, and then now. Uh, you already had a prior relationship with uh, Keith and Count Your Lucky Stars, and now since they're back, they they're reissuing the exact discography once again. So I'm curious, what drew you to re-releasing all of this material, most of which I think is even new, versus like the few re- releases and like comp tracks you put out when the band was active? Uh, what drew you to re-releasing it in 2013, even if it's with cassettes and what what was the process like this time? Just doing a second re-release, and how were those two, I guess, conversations you guys had? How were they different, and kind of was maybe stayed the same with your mindset about just getting the music back out there, getting some more attention to it? Yeah, I think that I think the conversations were kind of the same, which really were just, "Hey, do you want to release a tape?" And yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Pete Pete wanted to release it. I honestly I can't remember why. Uh, why we originally did it? I think it was just because it was fun. Because Pete released uh, a record by or a tape by um, one of Evan's bands. I can't remember which way. It was Holy Death. Was it Holy Death? Mm-hmm. It was a cassette, and then. He, I guess, was just kind of going on this little tape endeavor, and so was always a fan of boyfriends and wanted to release the boyfriends discog tape. Um, so at, at the time, I was living with Pete at, at Big Mama's warehouse, and so I think it was just kind of one of those things where just as spontaneous as things can get in that warehouse is just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. And so I mean, t- tapes are dirt cheap and just kind of a fun. That is true. Best nostalgic part. thing to do so we were just like yeah we can afford to do this i don't think it sold any <laughs> i think it just sat in a box <laughs> I, I think uh, i got you gave me a few and i got drunk at a 94 show in dc and 
just like game, <laughs> just like yeah, handed I have a, to people. <laughs> a copy here, but I, I don't know where those tapes are. They're probably gone. But in terms of Keith, yeah, we we knew Keith from releasing the seven inch um, EP with with our friend Danny um, Scrizzy, who at the time was just running this little thing called Slow Growth Records. Um, and then Keith, I guess, reached out. Uh, I guess I know, a few months ago, just asking, "Hey, I would love to release a boyfriend discount tape." Because, because, I guess, I mean, I think maybe in the naming of the discount tape that mediocre punk band that never got its due, maybe. And, and so I think Keith. The, maybe yeah, felt, felt very self-deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Keith. Yeah, like, Keith definitely felt that we were very mediocre. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, or just that, like a a band that people like and that never got it to. Maybe is what his thinking was. Um, <laughs> but he asked us to do it, and I said, "Yeah." Sure. And it was all, all. I mean, it for me it was all nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Sure. People have been really then, sweet about it too. It's nice to to receive that kind of uh, I don't want to say validation, but like you know what I mean. Like it's nice to know that like sometimes people think about it, and because uh, I certainly do. You know, it's like uh, certainly one of my. I think boyfriends is like my favorite project I've I've ever been involved with. Even if it's uh, the pro- like the decision making for both these re-release, uh, excuse me, re-releases was as simple as, hey, do you want to do this? Yes. Um, did you revisit like even if it was just like the MP3s, but like did you like re-listen to the songs maybe like for the first time in a while during the process of each of these re-releases, just kind of getting figured out, getting announced, heading out the door, uh, and with cassettes and digital distro and whatnot. Yeah, yeah we had to we had to revisit it. We actually had a friend of Matt and Chris's um, kind of remaster it. Okay. And, not necessarily remaster it, but we can recompile the the audio tape sides um, just because those files were long lost from the mm-hmm. last time we did the discog. We had so there was kind of like some re listening. It made me realize like, oh, we stopped kind of at a point where we were starting to get our stride. Mm. Um, and then also made me realize, wow, those earliest demos are really bad. <laughs> <laughs> there's something to them, though. There's, there's like something there's there, something yeah. that it's certainly I don't know. Like even though it was so different from like the you know the top of the discog to the bottom, like. You can hear if you you know if you were to listen to it in reverse order. I feel like you can hear the the progression of the band. Okay, so certainly. it is and reverse how, chronological. Like cer- certain things either got more refined or like I was thinking about that in the in regard to like my vocals on mm-hmm. those demos. I was just like, wow, <laughs> okay, that's rough. But just to hear it like hear how even just like the way we were playing the way we were singing or whatever it was like how it evolved over time mm-hmm. uh like really drastically but still retained like its its basest elements is, is really yeah. fun to hear for me 
just to clarify real quick, the album is in reverse chronological order. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. makes sense. Um, if anyone wants to make a playlist of the album backwards, we can get on that. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, though, towards the end, we were playing like Chobra Sun. Like we had rewritten it with bass and guitar. Um, And then at that point, those are like the last couple shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just watching a video of uh, us at the model home with big kids. And uh, I'm pretty sure we played it. We're playing Chopper Sun in that video. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, and then Jason from big kids is like, singing the guitar part <laughs> into the microphone like it's so it sounds so crazy you can't see him at first too so you're like what the hell is happening <laughs> i think that definitely was like my favorite show because it was oh, you yeah. know people all the best philly people and all the best california people the only thing that we're yeah. missing were the best pittsburgh people and then we would have had like a real tearjerker on our hands, but yeah, <laughs> that show was like that was like the best. That house, yeah, that one was wild. absolutely disgusting. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, absolutely yeah. disgusting. I can't believe humans lived in that. Yeah, yeah, but those humans were our friends. We spent time there. <laughs> I know that's definitely like the <laughs> correct <laughs> first thought for any house show. He's like, I this is a horrible place, but I willingly spend time here. Yeah, I sometimes I pay to get in. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to think about Juice, like thinking like Juice now versus Juice back in the day, JR, uh, like living in that place. <laughs> it's like, and, and us too, you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine living in a place like the Stomping Grounds? right now like, i think if we yeah. live there any longer we wouldn't be living anymore <laughs> <laughs> at some point it was a, this isn't a home it's a tomb yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah wow that's again i guess just kind of gotta sit back and just bask in the glow of these crazy stories for a couple minutes there um uh so Usually uh, at the end of episodes, because that kind of wraps up the main portion of the questions I want to ask tonight. Um, usually at the end, I ask mm-hmm. like, what bands, like, what other DIY or underground bands are kind of are you listening to right now? Who do you want to shout out? Since most of the bands I talk to are just from the Twin Cities here in Minnesota, um, but since we're in a u- unique perspective here, where you lived through that scene ten years ago. And so you know the bands that have already gotten their due, gotten or some of their due maybe, but then there's probably still some long lost and underrated bands from that era. So I'm wondering, what bands kind of from that fourth wave emo revival, to use the buzzwords, um, what bands from that time do you still think could benefit or deserve something like a tape re-release or like a, a just some people on Twitter kind of talking about being like, hey, remember this. Um, what albums or bands do you think are would kind of be due for that? And as people who live through that and were part of that scene, 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, well, I feel like anything that the Crutchfield sisters did back then, Allison and Katie, uh, I mean, they got a lot of celebration then, but, uh, you know, I would love to see more of P.S. Elliot <laughs> around for sure. Yeah. Um, I think this one hits big for us because they are like really great friends of ours. But if you haven't listened to those two big kids full lengths and you like Jawbreaker and punk rock in that vein, you should definitely do that as well as, I mean, they put out however many split and EPs and stuff like that split with Joyce Manor, stuff like that. Um, it's oh, all good. Yeah. That band, that band, I still listen to a lot now. It's just very, very good. Punk. Yeah, those are great records. Yeah. But, Brian? <laughs> I, I honestly, uh, I was trying to think as you guys were talking about. Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I'll just review with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the like poison sex it. too. Yeah, those poison sex like, songs are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, because I was such a big fan of Hot Cross back then, mm-hmm. and like when I heard that poison sex stuff, I was just like, this just sounds like pretty Hot Cross, and this is great. Yeah. Um, if you didn't list them to for some reason, you can listen to more songs by Grown Ups. That album's pretty. I mean, that album's flawless front to back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just listened to that uh, the other day, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. That's I'm a just great trying to yeah. yeah. It's weird, because these are all albums like I've seen people like, talking about recently, and I'm coming yeah. across just like for the first time, where it's just like someone like tweets out like the link to that Grown Ups album, or yeah. mentions, like, yeah. hey, remember Big Kids? And like, the, like just it's weird to have like a first yeah. awareness. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um. So, as far as bands that are still yeah. active that we played with okay. or semi-active in this time, I mean, if you're not listening to Ed Hockey Lee, um, you're, you're living a sad life. Sleep. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. You're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a dang, you're a dang <laughs> fool. You're a fool. So check out Ed Hockey Lee if you're a metalhead. Uh, they're the best band from Pittsburgh. Probably. Yeah. I think just the best band. Yeah, from the world. Best band from Earth. Because it's like, yeah, like Thin Lizzy doesn't play anymore. So like, <laughs> yeah, oh, two for two for Thin Lizzy jokes. I love it. Best oh. band from Earth. What's the best <laughs> band not from Earth? Diarrhea uh, Planet. Yeah, yeah. Diarrhea Planet. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Kind of <laughs> going off of that. Um. You mentioned Ed Ed Hockley. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. What current bands or artists? are you still really excited about whether they were people that you knew or at least were aware of back in the day that have just continued on or their newer bands that you've just kind of been first connecting with and are just enjoying a lot recently? I really have been uh, bands that like I've been playing with, like obviously before the pandemic, uh, I really love well-wisher from New Jersey mm-hmm. um, and Camp Cope from oh, uh, yeah. Melbourne, Australia. 
wonderful friends, wonderful band. If you haven't listened to either of their records, they're incredible. Um, and like pedal, uh, an yeah. pile, really great stuff. I don't know if there's, I mean, my, my listening nowadays is fucking all over the place and I, I can't <laughs> keep track of it. Um, I, but I have to say, I, I, I'm not in tune as in tune with a lot of the, I, get, I don't want to say smaller bands cause they're not smaller, but, um, I guess more of the local bands. I'm mm-hmm. not in, as in tune with a lot of local bands of kind of the mid Atlantic Philly, Lancaster, Pittsburgh scene. Yeah. Um, Moses Sumney is really great. I would listen to him a bunch, but that's like <laughs> that's not necessarily a a local thing within the, in that scene. Yeah, yeah I've been listening of, to a lot of Steely Dan. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was, I, yeah, I was just gonna say I'm kind of in the same boat as Brian. Where after after I stopped playing so much, then I kind of stopped hearing more. Um, underground touring and mm-hmm. you know like diy bands i stopped hearing yeah. uh, so many of them um but i am just in a big metal hole right now very <laughs> deep just frozen soul and spectral wound and spectral wounds rad though that's stuff yeah good. and just uh, <laughs> yeah almighty power trip constantly. oh yeah, gone too soon. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's no. a good point. Like when you're not in it, and it's it's not to say that it, like you're avoiding it by any means, but like when you're not sitting there like playing shows constantly, mm-hmm. I think you're less aware of kind of what's happening in terms of. Chris is probably the most active in terms of playing in bands because mm-hmm. Chris always has like ten bands going on at once. Because um, so, yeah. I, I feel like you're the most in tune with what's. Gonna sure. Well, I mean, it's really it. It's really it. You know what I mean? Like, if I wasn't still playing, I, I wouldn't have met any of the people that I just mentioned. Um, but also, too, I think it bears mentioning that that Mike uh, Mike still performs a lot. Yeah. Um, and like very internationally, he has a project called Na that he's been doing for a long time. Um, like even even. When Boyfriends was still a band, he uh, it was like was beginning to work on on that in the basement, uh, and now he tours like he was just in South Africa, and um, he's going like plays in like Korea, oh. and he plays all over the world. It's really and it's really amazing stuff. Um, you know, it's really uh, just like very avant garde. Uh, like hip hop and noise and like manufactured sounds. Uh, and he does the whole thing live while he plays drums and he's the only person in the project. So it's like, um, it, it really is remarkable to watch. That's N a H or N a. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just okay. N-A-H, yeah. He releases for- like 10 albums a year. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he has more albums than guided by voices at this point. Wow. <laughs> Seriously, just finished that's one. legit. Actually, <laughs> the same day the tape was released. Was that? He released, one, he released one with the wiki. 
Oh yeah, yeah. He just he just put a release. Wait, out. like with, from New York? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's sick. Oh, just did a yeah. collaboration album. Phone booth, that's called. Okay. Right. From telephone booth, yeah. Told telephone booth. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna definitely check that out, and hopefully everyone else yeah, does. Yeah, definitely. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. Wiki and racking are tight. Um, awesome. That's pretty much the end of everything here. So been a good hour, I'd say. Um, nice. Boyfriends, the complete discography of mediocre punk rock is available for free. Uh, I believe you can just actively order. There's no like delay. The tapes are coming out now. Yep. Yeah. It's out. Go buy a tape. Uh, check it out on Bandcamp and put some one tenth of a cent in these guys' pockets by listening to like on Spotify or something. <laughs> um, also, definitely check out 1994 because I feel. I just heard about them like like a month ago, and I feel like no one else has talked about them. Very good stuff. Album Thank "Fuck you. Your Head." Love that. Um, uh, it's weird to be able to say that to your face, having only heard about your music two months ago. But hell yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. that's really no, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And it's never um, too late. It's never too late to become a 1994 fan. True. You know? um, <laughs> then obviously, it's snowing in a circus. Circus. Check that out. I'm gonna check that out. Um, Thank you so much, you three. Uh, send Mike my regards uh, wherever he is in the world. Um, but thank you so much for doing this. This was a blast. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode, please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.